Our scripture passage for today comes from the gospel according to Luke. This is chapter 3, verses 15 to 22. Uh, before we read this, let us pause for a moment in prayer. Good and wonderful Father, Lord, we come before your word today, Lord, seeking guidance, seeking strength, seeking illumination from your spirit. And Father, as you have revealed this word to us, Lord, you also grant us the same spirit that we can read, hear, and understand. And so, Father, we ask you now that the same spirit that inspired these words would inspire us now. Lord, open our hearts and our minds so that uh, we can understand your revealed will and word that has been given to us. Bless, Lord, this holy reading of your holy word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the gospel according to Luke, chapter 3, verses 15 to 22. Listen now to the word of the Lord. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today, you may or may not know, is a special day in our liturgical year. It's a very special day. If you read the front of your bulletin, you should know that today we celebrate the baptism of the Lord. Today, every year, is the traditional day that we celebrate when Christ was baptized by John the Baptist. Now, as holidays on the church calendar go, the baptism of the Lord gets lost. It hardly ever gets celebrated like some of the others do. We don't have a lot of the decorations. There's not many, or if any, I don't know of any special hymns that we sing for baptism of the Lord Day. It kind of gets, gets lost in the shuffle. You know, we've just had Thanksgiving, and then Advent, and then Christmas, the big one, and New Year's, and Tagging on at the end of New Year's is Epiphany, where we celebrate the, the visit of the wise men. And there, after all that is done, after all the decorations are put away, after Christmas is officially over, and we go back to our normal lives, then we get 
the baptism of the Lord. And we don't tend to celebrate it. Actually, we don't celebrate it at all, really. Like I said, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle completely. It's not seen as really even that significant a day in the life of Jesus' ministry. It kind of just, he began his ministry. But we don't even see it as important as stuff like the temptation or a lot of the miracles that Jesus performed. And I personally have to confess that I have never preached on the baptism of Jesus. Every year, it comes up at the same time every year, and I see it come up in the, in, in the lectionary, in, in the yearly scripture readings, and I think about it, like now I'll preach on something else. And I move on and, and preach something that is not the baptism of the Lord. But I looked at it this week, and I decided this year I was going to preach on the baptism of the Lord. I was going to do this. And, and as I read this, I, I realize how important this event is in the life of Christ. It's so important that it's mentioned in all four Gospels. And not a lot of stuff is mentioned in all four Gospels. Uh, the, the baptism is recounted to us in both Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which we call the Synoptic Gospels. And in John, even though the whole uh, scene is not given to us, the baptism is referenced later by John the Baptist. So it's an event that is important enough that all four Gospel writers thought that they need to make mention of it. But I think the reason why I've always hesitated to preach about the baptism is there's one question that always lingers in my mind about the baptism of Jesus. And that is, why did Jesus get baptized? I mean, why did he do it? I mean, what was the purpose behind Jesus getting baptized. Because if we look and study not only about uh, traditional Christian baptism, but baptism as it existed in the time of John, there seems really no reason why Jesus needed or should have been baptized. I mean, for us today in our, in our church, baptism is a way that we accept people into the Christian community. And we do it as young as infants. The sprinkling with water, an oath made by their parents. And once baptized, you are considered to be a part of the official church, of the Christian community. It's a, it's a visible sign of God's invisible grace. And it's how we, you join the church and officially become a Christian. But before there was baptism in the church, there was a, the Jewish forerunner of baptism. And in Judaism, a lot of times when you were cleansed from either an illness that was considered an unclean illness, or you had, uh, had to redeem yourself or atone for sin, you would end that period by a ritual washing. And this ritual washing was to symbolize your cleansing from sin. And if Gentiles wanted to join the Jewish community, a lot of times they would initiate them into the rite of baptism like we do here in the church. Now, later on in our, in our story, where we have the guy that's come down to be known as John the Baptist, he has a different form of baptism. John is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He is the prophet Elijah come again to prophesy, Jesus is coming. The time is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. So he was in the wilderness preaching this, and people came to him, and he started baptizing them. And his baptism was a baptism of repentance. People would come and confess their sins. The baptism was, was like the ritual washing, a sign of their cleansing from their sin as they prepared for the imminent coming of the kingdom of God. 
they're looking at all these reasons for baptism. It still doesn't make any sense why Jesus was himself baptized. I mean, he doesn't say, and it makes no sense to say he baptized for salvation because Jesus didn't need to be saved. He was the one doing the saving. We can't say that Jesus was baptized with the baptism of repentance because he didn't have anything to repent from. Up until this point to his life and continuing on to the very end, he lived a sinless life. No need to repent. No need to be baptized. And he certainly didn't need to be baptized to be admitted into the Christian community because he was the Christian community. He was the only sole member at that time of the official Christian community. So why was Jesus baptized? It confused John the Baptist as well because he doesn't, wasn't sure why Jesus was baptized. In fact, when he came to be baptized, as we hear about as it's recounted in Matthew, he says, no, Jesus, I can't baptize you. You are the one that should be baptizing me. And the only answer Jesus gives as to why he was being baptized is that he does so to fulfill all righteousness. I think when we read this and reflect on Jesus' life and ministry, the only conclusion we can come to is that Jesus was baptized not for his sake, but for our sake. He was baptized for our sake. He was baptized and underwent that for the, uh, for the benefit of the people that were there at his time. And even for us who read about this event 2,000 years later. See, in this act of baptism, what we get, what we receive here is a confirmation of who Jesus is. And for the people that were there witnessing the baptism of Jesus, they got the announcement firsthand. And they were told the news just as it was breaking about who Jesus is. And even for us, though, 2,000 years later, reading about the count of this baptism, we get the reminder of exactly who Jesus is. And it's confirmed for us that he certainly and truly is the way and the truth and the life. Now, just reading the account of the baptism, we're, we're signaled that something really important has happened because of the rare event that accompanied Jesus' baptism. And when I say it was a rare event, it only has happened probably a few times in human history. Only a few times even in the Bible itself. And what I'm talking about is God speaking from heaven so everybody can hear it. And that does not happen every day. Like I said, it only, it's only happened, as we know, as recorded a few times in all of human history that God speaks so everybody can hear him. See, normally when we think of God speaking, it's, oh, God spoke to me. He, he spoke in my heart. God's, he's spoken by his spirit. He's spoken by the prophets. He's spoken by some leader in my life. Maybe he's, he's spoken to me through scripture itself. But this time is different. God speaks so everybody can hear it. It's an audible voice that you hear with the ears, not with the mind or with the heart or with the spirit. You actually hear it with your physical ears and everybody can. And so you're looking around like, did y'all hear that? It sounded like God speaking. And considering the rarity of this event, 
think it's very safe to assume this is important. Now, God speaks. He only says two little sentences. You are my son. With you, I am well pleased. That's all it is. You are my son. With you, I am well pleased. But there is so much. And that little bit that God says. The first thing he says aloud, he says, you are my son. Remember, this is, this is heaven speaking. This is the voice of God himself. He is affirming, or in this case, announcing to everybody who Jesus is. This is the son of God. It's not some random person who thought he had a really good idea or a great, you know, a great tool for ministry. This is not another prophet. This is not a pretender, and this is not one of the many false messiahs that had risen up at the time. This is the bona fide Son of God. His words are true. His words are trustworthy because He has been sent by the Father. We know He's been sent by the Father because heaven itself is announcing with a loud voice for everybody here, this, this is my Son. Everything he says can be believed. Everything he does can be trusted. This is like getting the uh, comic book where you find out the origin of the superhero. You know, and this is, they were all being announced the origin of this super of all superheroes. He comes from heaven. He comes from heaven itself, sent by the Father himself. So his ministry is not a human ministry, nor is it a ministry of any human origin. And then he says, with you, I am well pleased. And this is not just for Jesus to hear. This is for everybody to hear. That he is the Son of God, and with him, God is pleased. Confirming and showing to us that he has lived an obedient life. He has led a sinless life. He has led a life of true and total righteousness. And here is God backing up all that Jesus is going to say. All the things that he is going to do. Listen to this man. He has pleased me. He alone, the first of all creatures who have walked this earth, has pleased me. This is not a, a rebellious son. This is not a random son. This is God affirming the righteousness of Christ. And for us, how it makes sense to follow him. How we know that this is the one that we can follow. That he is the one that will lead us to God the Father. And to kind of accentuate the point, he gives a visual at the same time as he speaks aloud with a voice that everybody can hear. Also gives us something that everybody can see with their eyes. Those same heavens from which the voice came and from who Jesus came, these heavens are opened up. And to adding to the voice, they say the spirit, it descends, it said bodily. The, the spirit descended bodily like a dove. This is not like a vision. This is not something they perceive. This is actually seeing with their eyes the Spirit manifest before them bodily like a dove. And it comes to dwell upon Jesus. 
So on top of all this confirmation, on top of all this authority, Jesus also is receiving the fullness and the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. And this is the Spirit of God. The very Spirit of God now dwelling in Jesus. And again, when we, when we talk about the Spirit being with us, we're talking about, we, we always talk about being inspired by the Spirit, being, being led by the Spirit, being close to the Spirit, feeling the Spirit moving among us. And this is, this is that, but so much more, because this is the Spirit that's, that's dwelling completely in Christ. I mean, we, we can think about that and try to consider it, but I don't know if we can fully grasp it. The fullness of God fullness of God in a human body. In a human body just like ours, but the fullness of God walking around like a human does, wearing clothes, eating food, making footprints in the sand while he walks. Yet that is the fullness of God dwelling with us. And in the Spirit, we have the power of God in Christ, the authority of God in Christ, the mind of God, the wisdom of God, also the mercy and the grace of God. And from here, Jesus receives all of his authority and all of his power to do the things that he, do, that he does. That's why he has the authority to forgive sins. That's why he has the authority to bind and to loose, to cast out demons, to heal diseases, to calm the storm with the word, and even to walk on the water, if he so desires, to walk on a surface that you and I and all the rest of creation will just fall right through. We know now everything that Christ does is of God and from God. And in Christ is anything and everything that we could hope for and desire. That in Christ is not only the way to righteousness. He is the reward for righteousness. He is the way and the truth and the life. In the scene of baptism, we are given a direct confirmation of who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He is the anointed of God. He is the sinless Savior. He is the one who holds the Holy Spirit of God and fullness within himself. But not only that, we are also given here an example of how we too ought to live. Because Jesus here begins to be that holy example for our life. Because there is nothing, there is nothing that Jesus asked us to do that he didn't first do himself. Everything Jesus asked of us, everything, he was the first one to do it. It began with baptism. Requires baptism of us. Go forth, baptize all nations in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Requires that of us. And he says, see, I will do it as well. I am your forerunner. I am your example. I am your path. I am your way. I ask you to do something, and I will do it first. See, Jesus isn't one of those leaders 
who likes to command from afar. To sit far away from the action and tell us what to do without ever having to feel or experience the fear, the doubt, the pain, the anxiety that comes with having to follow those commands. He's not like that CEO that says, hey, we're going to have a hard time this year. Everyone buckle down, no raises. I'm going to have to cut back on your salaries. Not mine, of course, but everybody else's. That's not how Christ leads us. Christ leads us with his life. I ask you to get baptized, but first, I will get baptized. I ask you to face temptation in life, but first, I'm going to face temptation myself. I ask you to endure persecution, but first, I will endure the persecution on your behalf. I ask you to be hated and rejected by those you know and love the best, but first, I will be hated and rejected by those that I came to save. Jesus says, I ask you to suffer sometimes for my kingdom, but first, I will suffer so that the kingdom will be fulfilled. Jesus even asked and will be required of all of us one day to face the fear and the pain of even death. But he faced it first. And his fear and his pain were more than any of us could ever bear. Dying in the most painful way human beings have, have yet been able to concoct. He faced it first. Christ is not the way of just do as I say, but do as I have done. Christ says, I have humbled myself, and so therefore I ask you to humble yourself. I have been obedient, and I ask you to be obedient. I have been faithful to the end, and I ask you to be faithful to the end. And just as Christ serves as an example of action and faith in life, he's also an example of our blessing. For just as we must do as Christ has done, so we will be blessed as Christ is blessed. And he stands as an example in that as well, as in a forerunner of that as well. Every way that Jesus was blessed, we also will be blessed. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And you also are filled with God's Spirit. Jesus was anointed as holy, and you also will one day be anointed as holy ones. Jesus was called by the voice of God, his Son, and so you also are called as children of God. And most importantly, as God said of Christ, with you I am well pleased. He saves those words for us as well. With you, I am well pleased. See, as we follow in an imitation of Christ's life, we also follow in an imitation of his blessing. And there is a well pleased that is waiting for each of you. 
For each of you who loves the Lord, there is a well-pleased, a well-pleased that God is waiting to speak into your life. For you, for me, for everybody that loves and waits for the Lord. Imagine for a second what that's going to be like. Just imagine for a second God speaking those words to you. With you, I am well pleased. I mean, I don't know if we can completely conceive how incredible that's going to be. God's going to look at you and say, you are my son. With you, I am well pleased. He's going to look at you and say, you are my daughter. I am so proud of you. I am so proud of what you've done with your life. Now, I think this baptism is a big deal. This baptism of Christ is, is very important, not just in the ministry of Christ, but for, for all of us who strive to follow after him. It's unfortunate this has been overshadowed by Christmas. But if we pause and we pay attention, this baptism reminds us something as important as the birth of Jesus. And our Christ, our Jesus, God born to walk among flesh, is no ordinary Messiah. He is the Son of God, the Anointed One. And for us, He's the only way the only truth and the only life that we ever need and could ever hope for. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.